0: A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some father beans and a nice candy. You, 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 choose me?
1: I choose violence. Come on, let's get in the character. <laughs>
0: 187 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Rayhall, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. We are here in Magenta Manor in the Pat Cave, brought to you by the Dorkening Network, and as such, we are sponsored by Deadly Grounds Coffee and Silk City Hot Sauce. More on them later on in our ad breaks. But I am not here by myself. I am, of course, joined by my co-host on the show, my co-host in life. She is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Queen Regent of Rosé, the Mistress of Merlot, the Princess of Prosecco. The uh, I was going to come up with something else with Chardonnay, but eh. Um,
2: I really appreciate your enthusiasm.
0: Yeah. I I was going to do
2: it, but (laughs) meh.
0: She is the Michael Phelps of wine, the real housewife of Transylvania, the queen of the monsters, and an honorary Lizzie. Ladies and gentlemen, Ashes of Nightmare.
2: <laughs> Me. Actually, sounds like a noise that our cat makes.
0: Yeah, that's... Uh,
2: <laughs> the disgruntled sounds of a cat. She's annoyed, but she loves it.
0: Me, Meh, see? Meh. Yeah, that's she makes these weird sounds, especially at night, if she's like she's been like sleeping in bed with us under the blankets, and if Meh. one of us attempts to move the blanket or like try to like dares to attempt to get comfortable, she complains. She's like Meh Meh Like <laughs> she gets so mad.
2: She's very expressive.
0: Yes, and, vocally and she, expressive.
2: Um, takes a lot after you. Yes, <laughs> she is definitely my cat. Yeah, through we're through.
0: of course. She
2: is spoiled. She is sassy.
0: Uh, we are of course talking about Princess Zombie Cake, but that's not what we're talking about this week. Uh, this week we're talking about. We are not uh,
2: talking uh, about Bruno.
0: No, it's a rare thing, and I made sure to post this. A first-time watch for me, but a rewatch for Ashes. Uh, kind because of flipping the script a little bit. I watched it a
2: couple of weeks ago because I didn't realize that this was a film that you wanted to see.
0: I was waiting to uh-huh. watch this with her mm-hmm. and she's like, oh my God, did you know that I watched Encanto and it was so good? Why do I sound like
2: Kermit uh, the Frog mixed with Barney from The Simpsons?
0: I don't know. I don't know. It was just a weird, like, random voice that I was doing. Because nah. you know what, are like, okay? oh, look no at me, I'm watching Encanto. Yeah, nope, that's Canto. not my voice
2: either. Thank you. You can call me anytime. Yeah, no, please don't call me at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, we watched uh, Encanto, so that's what we're going to be discussing today. But first, uh, like I would say every Disney movie, I I can't think of any off the top of my head that aren't. But they're all musicals. For uh, the
2: most part, yeah. Maybe
0: Bambi. I don't well, remember I mean, any Bambi so songs. Does anybody most... remember Bambi songs? I don't recall Bambi. I I think been... that Hunter shoot my mom. <laughs> Is this really how we're starting this movie?
2: Um so no, no, I, I don't recall any musical numbers uh, in Bambi. Or, oh no, there was no Fox and the Hound. Didn't the old lady sing to the Fox? I don't... I, I, I don't
0: would have to rewatch it. I haven't remember. seen that in close to 40 um, years because it... Makes that you and, sad. That and Old Yeller traumatized the fuck out of me. So I haven't watched either one of those since like 1987. So might be time for a rewatch for fox and the hound and old yeller to just you know and then we'll watch when uh, our attacks get stuck in the 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 swamp of sadness or whatever the hell it's called oh my the pit god. of despair and then then we'll we'll just you know watch jurassic bark the episode of uh, futurama over and over oh again oh my
2: god why why are you making me so sad i want to
0: punch myself so in the sad. face
2: so sad uh but yeah the sudden urge to eat my feelings now
0: so before we get into our getting into character question you have our uh what's been going on with characters in the news segment
2: no i don't
0: yeah we do we <laughs> always have one of those
2: no i don't um <laughs> Yeah, no, that's not happening this episode because I am unprepared. Um, there is one thing I can think of right off the top of my head. Yeah, so
0: you're not unprepared. It's just that it's not as extensive as it usually is.
2: Um, and it's something that came out recently it's Peter Dinklage is in the news uh, for voicing his displeasure with the fact that Disney is going forward with their live-action version of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves.
0: Yeah, and a lot of the actors, especially—I'm totally drawing a blank on his name—the the gentleman he actually he was in uh, Leprechaun, and he was. Back in uh back in the day, he was in wrestling. He played Hornswoggle. Um, I, it's it's a weird. It's like Protal is his last name, something like that. Um, it's totally escaping me right now. But he basically had the same response to Peter Dinklage that Token had to Stan in the episode where uh. Stan's dad yelled out a a racial slur on uh, wheel of fortune. Basically Peter Dinklage does not speak for everyone. He is not the president of dwarves. Uh, It's all well and good for him to be like, I'm not, you know, I don't think this is a good idea. It's like, that's great. You were paid $1.2 million per episode on game of Thrones. Not all of us make that money. So it's all well and good for you to be like above this and you don't need it. Awesome. Some of us want to work.
2: Yeah, so he was quoted saying, I was a little taken aback by the fact they were very proud to cast a Latina actress as Snow White, but you're still telling this. This this is Dinklage, yes. But you're still telling the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. You're progressive in one way, but you're still making that fucking backward story of Seven Dwarves living in the cave. What the fuck are you doing, man? Have I done nothing to advance the cause from my soapbox? I guess I'm not loud enough.
0: So the issue that uh he was having I'm trying to think of the hold on, I'm trying to find the guy's name because it was um he he made a great uh a great point Dylan Mark Postal so I was I was close uh Dylan Mark Postal uh who is 35 um he was Uh, he was, like I said, very upset uh, about the whole Peter Dinklage thing. He says, it makes me uh, sick, so sick to my stomach to think that there are seven roles for dwarfs that can't get normal acting roles or very few and far between roles, and now they are gone because of this guy. Peter Dinklage is the biggest dwarf actor probably of all time, but it doesn't make him King Dwarf. So basically, he's... Pissed off that somebody who wasn't even associated with the movie, you know, it says uh, when he was cast as a little person, when he was cast as the the little person role in Lord, in Lord of the Rings or in Game of Thrones or an elf or this, that and the other thing, those checks cashed just just fine. He had no issue then. But now he wants to be progressive. Come on, man. Um, He does misspeak there because he wasn't in Lord of the Rings. Uh, but he was probably referring to Peter Dinglich's role in the Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian. Uh, I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, the same thing that you know you said comes up in the same article that I was looking at. But you know, I understand Postal's issue with this. I was
2: say, yeah, I, I understand. I, I can see and understand both sides. I feel like I. Um... I don't have an opinion on this because I'm not educated enough to form an opinion, so...
0: But, I mean, if if it's... I'm trying to... Th- like, there's really no parallel to this because it's not like, you know...
2: I mean, to be completely honest, if they were casting regular people in the roles of, of the dwarves, the dwarves, wow, well, the dwarves, if they were casting, like six-foot-tall actors as dwarves and then using, you know, Disney light and magic to... to Industrial
0: light and magic?
2: Yeah, that too. Um, you know, to make them into into dwarves, thus taking the jobs away from actual, you know, people with dwarfism and stuff. Um, like they then, did in Snow White and the
0: Huntsman that we talked about the other day.
2: Yes, or to a certain extent, you know, what they did in The Lord of the Rings.
0: That's a different type of dwarf. no, I
2: know i know. i'm just i'm just saying that but I mean, I mean, they, that's what they did in the Lord of the Rings. They used different angles and different um magical things to
0: m- force perspective are you that, referring... that's a word yeah, yeah, that's <clears throat> but like hobbits are a different thing, and they did have well, the i again, know what you like saying I said, like
2: i'm just i'm just saying it to prove a point,
0: but I mean looking at uh you know just quickly pulling up i m d b Uh, Bob Hoskins, Nick Frost, Toby Jones, Eddie Marsan, uh, Ian McShane and Ray Winstone and Brian Gleeson all played dwarves in this film. So like their faces were superimposed onto somebody else's bodies like that there. If they had done that, then I could see where Peter Dinklage would have an issue and why he would be so angry. However, casting actual dwarves to again go with Postel's point if or Postal, I don't know POSTL is the spelling of a name, but to go with his point of these are actors dwarf actors playing a dwarf role, like that to me is progressive as opposed to Again, what they did in Snow White and the Huntsman. So there's a parallel for you right there. The exact same story being told, albeit in a different different way. But giving dwarf actors, you know, it's that to me is progressive. You know, like um, and I, her name always escapes me, Millicent. Um, Mills, I can't remember her last name, but from uh, a quiet place. Casting a deaf actor to play a deaf character, you know, as opposed to someone who is hearing or casting someone who is, uh, you know, like a, someone who's not blind, to, like Channing Tatum in that new Blind movie. Millicent Simmons. Simmons. I almost wanted to call her Millicent Roberts, but that's Barbie's mm-hmm. name, Barbara Millicent Roberts.
2: So, I mean, long story short, does... Just- Disney really need to be remaking another version of Snow White?
0: Especially where they have Pinocchio also coming out this <laughs> you know, year?
2: like, uh, I don't know. Get get some new ideas, Disney. I know you have them. Encanto is one of them and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah.
0: So that's, you know, a little bit of what's going on in the news that we didn't get a chance to touch on. Um, the live-action Halo series looks pretty good. Um... I enjoy Halo. Like, I'm not steeped in the lore as like I am with some of the other uh, games and stuff that I've played. But from the looks of what I've seen, it looks really good. Um, and just a quick, you know, uh, peruse through social media for folks who are heavily invested in Halo. They seem to really like it as well. Uh, I'm not talking about, like, you know, Twitter or Instagram. I'm talking about, like, through my facebook feed people who are are interested in this uh seem to like the way it looks i know you're not overly familiar with it at all but i know mm -hmm.
2: that they're like the colors there's like the red guys and the yellow guys and the green guys and the blue are they m&ms they're
0: not and it's kind of not like that at all
2: did they make the green guys wear shoes now
0: yeah the green guys have to wear sneakers 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 because it was too sexy yeah um Oh, well, there's that going on. Uh, Minnie Mouse has changed her dress for a pantsuit. There's that going on. Well,
2: I don't know if it's official. It's just, it was so, it's, Minnie Which, Mouse is currently sporting a tracksuit uh, designed by Stella McCartney. Um, and I, I think it's just a promotional thing. I don't think she's completely changing her ensemble. I think it's just a a thing that Disney yeah, is I don't, doing. I don't think it's a I, They're just characters- like, do I think they need to be changed? No. If you want inclusion, create new characters.
0: Yeah, it's not difficult. Which maybe there's again, a maybe Encanto. there's a
2: purple M M&M and M, and they wear sneakers. Like what
0: flavor. Well, M and Ms don't really have flavors. Is it, what
2: what flavor? What flavor would the purple M M&M and M? Yeah, be? they don't
0: have flavors.
2: Yeah, but Ooh, uh, my guess is chocolate. Yeah, chocolate. Yeah. So anyways, our getting into character question today, uh, because we watched Encanto, and Encanto has amazing music to go along with the story and the colors, and, you know, it is both visually pleasing as well as a feast for the ears because there's so much going on. There's some fantastic voice talent. And like I said, the, the songs are so good. Uh, Disney films, especially Disney animated films.
0: Except for Bambi.
2: Except for (laughs) Bambi are known for their fabulous songs. So our getting into character question for today is which Disney song is your favorite?
0: See, for me... Uh, well,
2: before, before oh. you give yours, we threw it out there, and we got a couple of responses. So, a friend of the show and fabulous person, Colleen, said uh, she has a tie, so that's what makes the world go round. Um, from The Sword and the Stone.
0: Oh, that's one I haven't seen in forever.
2: She says, the lyrics are amazing, and it's so relevant and timeless. And she also said, stay awake from Mary Poppins, because she used to sing it to all four of her littles
0: uh, to help them get to sleep. She probably still does. I mean, <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised.
2: And our friend... Justin Cooper
0: Cooper duper
2: he asked the family this question and they all responded so he said um, his is once upon a time in New York City from Oliver and Company will uh, his is I won't say I'm in love from Hercules grace says reflection from Mulan And the gorgeous and talented Miss Sarah B said, you'll be in my heart from Tarzan.
0: See, these are all ones that I, I don't think I've seen Tarzan from start to finish. Um, Although I I was thinking about this earlier, and if we're just thinking, like, classic Disney and not, like, stuff that Disney now owns that, like, oh, yeah, that's Disney. I totally forgot about that because, you know, I would just say the Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack, Um, you know, making Christmas, Oogie Boogie song, Jack's Lament, like, there's a ton of those. But if we're going with the animated stuff, I am going to have to go there's two, both from the same film that I really, really like. Um, The first one is uh, Arabian Nights from Aladdin. Mm. And I love the original one where they talk about cutting your ear off because they don't like your face, which I suppose uh, they took out because it sounds fairly racist, but they're totally fine with chopping off your hand if you steal an apple. Mm -hmm. Um, The other one being uh, Friend Like Me which I fucking love that song because I love the visuals. I love everything that's going on while it's happening. And then it ends with the genie just sitting there with the applause sign above his head. Like, I think that's, that's pretty rad. Um, So that's what I'm going to go with. I mean, there's a few that are, that are up there, like the, the circle of life song. Like that's interesting. Plus, I like Elton John.
2: um, I actually sang that song with a group of people in, like, a fourth-grade talent show.
0: And what did you win? Talent? I
2: won so much talent, obviously. (laughs) Exhibit A right here. Yeah, right? So much talent.
0: I mean, those are good songs. Um, This is probably for a different reason, but... uh, the uh the song that Sarah Jessica Parker sings flying around in Hocus Come Pocus.
1: Little children, I'll take thee
0: away. That's cause I had a thing for Sarah I Jessica Parker thirty you. years thirty years ago. So
2: Yeah. I mean, understandably so. Yeah.
0: I mean it's it's her fault for being in one of my favorite movies of all time, being Flight of the Navigator, which did have music, even though it's not a musical. Like, they played Beach Boys and stuff like that. Well, that's a soundtrack. That's not... No, but they played it in the in the movie, and it was a part of the plot. Like, it was part of the, the uh, alien intelligence's uh, kind of, like, communion with with uh david yeah
2: but again like that that's more of like a like a soundtrack i mean even like though it score, was, a, even though a, yeah, yeah even though like it was an integral part of the the film it wasn't uh it wasn't, it wasn't a song expository or, well, it, or
0: anything it wasn't like a that.
2: song created specifically for no. the film
0: no at least i don't think so i mean is 1984
2: the 60s yeah absolutely <laughs>
0: So what about you? Which so, uh, Mary Poppins song are you going to choose? <laughs>
2: so I um, am not talking about Mary Poppins in this question because obviously uh, Mary Poppins is is on a pedestal that nobody else can touch. Uh, so the the songs from that film are fantastic. And I mean, my favorite song from Mary Poppins is supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Um, the the whole jolly holiday scene is just one of my favorites so you know that goes from like the the it's a jolly holiday with Mary I love that to the whole penguin scene with their dancing and taking their orders and stuff and then ends with a super califragilistic scene so it's like that that whole uh, slew of songs there's like you know three two or three songs i like that oh and and that one too i love that whole sequence on the the rooftop with the chimneys
0: step in time
2: um also um the song that the mother sings
0: Yes, yes,
2: although we adore men individually, as we a, agree that as a group, they're rather stupid. that's fair, well done, sister suffragettes. I love that song, so like like i'm I'm not talking about Mary Poppins because we've already done that twice on the show already, that's tough, yeah. and i i can't I can't choose like i i I just can't so Mary Poppins aside, uh, I love villain songs. You get a lot of exposition in villain songs. You get a lot of backstory about the villains or sometimes you know, sometimes it's the villains singing it themselves or sometimes it's someone singing it about the villain. So, my favorite Disney song is Poor Unfortunate Souls mm. sung by Ursula the sea witch in The Little Mermaid. I love that song so much. It is so dramatic, and I believe the actor who voiced her was Pat Carroll and Ah, oh, she does such an amazing job with that delivery. That ah, oh, it is so well done. Um, and a close second would have to be Cruella Deville.
0: Oh, the Cruella Deville song.
2: Yes, because again, you yeah, know, she not sing that not one. sung by her, but sung about her, and they're so many great descriptions about this person that you get before you even meet this person. And when you do meet her, you're like, oh, she's that bitch, you know, that that the one that they sing the song about. Yeah, that that's her. Uh yeah. So those are those are my my and I never was really in the um oh like the the love songs. Never really Can
0: you feel the love got tonight?
2: To me like I never um, but I like the like the fun, more upbeat songs.
0: I uh, when you were talking about villain songs, it kind of reminded me of. Jeremy Irons singing "Be Prepared" as Scar.
2: Uh, yes, that's, another great one. That's
0: one of my one of my favorites. I like that one a lot. So you know, there's a lot
2: of uh, there's usually a lot more theatrics with the villain song. Yeah, there's than... always like
0: explosions and fire and like scariness. You know, um, another
2: good one. Um, I'm gonna say, I say this film is more recent, but it's really been out for. Over a decade at this point, uh, "Mother Knows Best," sung by Mother Gothel in Tangled. Oh,
0: Tangled! Yeah, I don't, I don't recall that one at all.
2: That one is also really great. Uh, gives you a lot of exposition as to what's going on and kind of a little bit of the backstory and the Stockholm Syndrome that's happening in that whole situation. It's great. Like she's, she's a really great villain as well.
0: Under the sea, be our guest. Another uh excellently. Oh yeah, like these
2: these, you know, um ensemble.
0: Yes, when songs. there's like a bunch of people singing and it's yeah I'm, I'm a fan Or
2: like in this uh, the instance of Friend Like Me You know it's Robin Williams as the genie But he does this whole I mean he's a genie He has the ability to do this whole thing And he does this grand song and dance for Aladdin And it's just spectacular Like those songs I also really enjoy yeah. The more slowed down tempo Like I'm gonna tell you my feelings I'm gonna show you the world Like no thanks I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip that part
0: Yeah I'm with you on that one but uh, but yeah so I think that's a pretty good place to uh, take a quick break because um, we have a lot to talk so about so much with this to talk one. about and we could go on and on about Disney songs except for Bambi uh, for <laughs> quite some time <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to be discussing uh, the, uh, the- Amelia Madrigal <laughs> yes so we'll be right back So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good,
1: Ah!
0: it's scary. Greetings, Spice fans. Silk City Hot Sauce is now sponsoring the Dorkening Podcast Network. Our craft sauces are made in Vermont in small, high-quality batches using locally sourced, farm-grown ingredients. Silk City Hot Sauce comes in a variety of heat strengths and killer flavors like Jezebel, Erotic Fever, Mango Madness, and Good Morning Jonestown. And don't forget our newest creation, Hot Syrup. Make no mistake, Spice fans, this is the queen of sweet heat. There's new and unique flavors coming out all the time. Best of all, right now, listeners of the Dorkening Podcast Network can go to silkcityhotsauce.com and use coupon code DORK. Not only will you get 20% off your order, we'll also throw in a free bottle of hot sauce. That's silkcityhotsauce.com. Coupon code DORK.
1: Many years ago, this candle blessed our family with a miracle. Our house, our casita, came to life with magic. Hola, casita. Floors! Drawers! Let's go! In time, every member of our family Cecilia, up top! was given their own magical gift. Uh-huh, uh-huh, I understand you. I'm not super strong like Luisa. The donkey's got out again. On it! Or effortlessly perfect like Señorita Perfecta Isabella. But mama, why am I the only one that didn't get a gift? You're just as special as anyone else in this family. You just healed my hand with the arepa con queso. in danger. We gotta get out of here! We must protect our home. We must protect our family. This is my chance. I will save the magic. Wait. How do I save the magic? I'm losing my gift! (laughs) Mirabel, the fate of the family is gonna come down to you. I can't
2: do this. Let me help you. The rats told me everything. Don't eat those.
1: Even in our darkest moments, there's light where you least expect it. A Lot of stairs, but at least I'll have a friend. Nope, you flew away immediately. Twitter.
0: And we are back. Uh, that was the trailer for Encanto, so I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, if you have not seen this, um, we're not really gonna be talking so much about what happens in the film because as we Because you've are.
2: seen it and you know.
0: I was gonna say, if you haven't seen it, spoiler warning, but it is on Disney Plus, so pause us, go watch it, come back. Uh, unless you don't mind spoilers, because we're going to be theorizing. We're going to be talking about certain events. I mean, we're not going to be like, and then this happens, and then this happens. That's not that type no, of show. But we're you be know going this
2: going We're going to be delving into the family Madrigal and their gifts.
0: And the dynamic between them and how everything and works And how everything together.
2: affects the encanto around them. And Patsy. Yeah. You just watched I mean, granted, this movie has only been out for a hot minute. Uh, it was in theaters. I believe it's still in some theaters. And it recently dropped. And recently, I mean, like, I think the past month-ish. Uh, yeah, very recently. Dropped on Disney+. Plus. So what were your initial thoughts upon viewing Encanto?
0: Well, I had no idea what it was about because I didn't see a trailer. I didn't watch a trailer. Uh you talked about how much you liked it, and there were like certain aspects that you said I would very much relate to, and you were right. Um, definitely, you and I related to very similar parts of the film, um certain characters. um I knew very little about anything that was going on other than like you know when you go go to uh Disney plus and you see like you know the the scrolling menu at the top like that was about it i knew it was called Encanto. i didn't have any idea who was in it what was it about you know when it takes place um no clue no clue so uh i went into it pretty much blind other than like mm-hmm. the few little things you told me like you know i was i was getting irritated with the people like well, oh, we don't talk about bruno it's like i don't know what that means and i kept seeing it everywhere and people like yeah we don't talk about bruno it's like i don't I don't get that. I don't understand why you don't talk about Bruno. Like, like if you're not a big fan of Sasha Baron Cohen's work, like that's fine. But I don't understand what that has to do with Disney. So, um, we we watched it the other night, uh, the night of the giant snowstorm. If you're living in the Northeast, you just uh, got hit with that. What was it like? Two and a half feet of snow. That's like, a lot.
2: No, I feel like anything uh, more than a foot, anything more than a foot, the snow drifts are going to be taller than I am anyways, so it's all the same.
0: And it's also been like nine degrees, so it's not, this snow is not going anywhere. And like-
2: It's very cold.
0: During the day when like the the sun hits it and it melts a little bit and then it it's just a sheet of ice. So it's just, super just, awesome.
2: Just let it go.
0: <laughs> yeah, just let it go. Uh, another <laughs> movie I have not seen, but maybe we watch that to do some character talkingness. Uh, but yeah, I I hadn't seen it, and I didn't know who any of the characters were. So watching this for the first time, getting to see um the characters that they put up front and i'll be honest like you know what was it isabella the one that's like oh everybody's so per- it's so perfect i'm so perfect isabella, yes, yeah um i thought watching this we were gonna see uh mirabelle who is like the, the main character you know the basically the story is told from her point of view it's her story um I figured it was gonna be one of those like classic eighties things. It's like, oh, nobody will love her. She can't be pretty. She has glasses. <laughs> you know, I thought it was gonna be like one of those things. hmm And, you know, I was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't, so I was glad about that. Um But getting to see the different family dynamic, getting to see you know, learning in real time, like you got to see it. Uh, You had already watched it, so you knew what to expect. But seeing what was going to happen. So as we're watching it, I'm like, oh, who's that voice? That sounds familiar. Who is that? That sounds familiar. And, like, finding out that, you know, everyone's like, oh, we don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. Like, that was the very beginning. And it's like, all right, so the fact that they keep saying this and everyone, it's like, they're going to talk about Bruno when Bruno's going to have They don't, they don't have a,
2: talk about Bruno. They sing about Bruno. They
0: sing about not talking about Bruno. So I was like, all right, everybody keeps saying it. So he's going to have a huge part to play. Let me see who plays him. John Leguizamo. Okay, so Bruno's going to be integral to the plot in this because the only time I have ever seen somebody like... Aside from Alan Tudyk, who once again was phenomenal as the toucan... uh. What is it with Disney movies, like, making him play birds? It's like, we'll let you in, but you have to be a bird of some kind. He you went can be, to
2: Julia. You can be a
0: chicken, or you can be a toucan. But, like, we're not going to let you speak in any way. You just have to make bird noises.
2: Well, I mean, he did speak in a Disney film.
0: I know, Rogue One.
2: And...
0: Yeah, picks the the wreck it Ralph. He was King Candy, but they were like, but he was basically just doing an impression of the Mad Hatter, who is a, a, a rip off of the guy from the Tea Party on the ceiling. So like, he hasn't been able to do his own original stuff, uh, is what I'm saying. And like, now they were so mad at him for being an Imperial Droid that he has to be a chicken and a toucan. Um, But what I was saying was the last time I've seen somebody who is, you know, a fairly big star with such a tiny role was Steven Seagal in Executive Decision dies like five minutes into the movie. But I was I would get sucked out of a a plane.
2: Yeah, because that's the same thing.
0: Well, what I'm saying is I when I saw that John Leguizamo was playing Bruno, I was like. Okay, they're not going to cast somebody like that to have a role that nobody talks about this guy and he has nothing to do with the plot. I'm like, okay, they're going to talk about Bruno. So, and they did. And Bruno talked about them. And I liked him. He, I don't want to say he was my favorite character because he wasn't, but he was probably the funniest, especially the whole like thing in the wall. <laughs> like that was but he was also the most tragic character uh, but it does lend itself his whole story lends itself well to a theory that you have uh, that we'll discuss later on so I, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit
2: it took you like seven minutes to be like yeah I like this film
0: No, it took me about four because we were talking about other stuff at the beginning but it took, it took me about four But you asked what my impressions were, and, like, I know you're not new. Like, this is, like, 12 and a half years we've been together. You know that if you ask me a question... Thanks for the reminder. Yeah. Is it so bad that you've been keeping count? Uh, When you you ask me a question, like, I have to explain things. But, yeah, overall, I really enjoyed this. Uh, I enjoyed... uh, Luisa's song the best. You have
2: 30 seconds to wrap up this part. Yes, Yes, you do. Come on, let's go. We have other things to talk about.
0: I was going to say, I liked Luisa's song the best. I thought that uh, What's His Name Uh, Bruno was the funniest and most of the characters I just did not care for. So, uh, go ahead. What did you you want to take over? So, what do you got?
2: So, we're introduced to La Familia Madrigal, the the, the the Madrigal family, the magical Madrigals in Encanto, and the magical Madrigals are introduced in a very fantastic way in the Madrigal song, which I think is just brilliant and and. To be honest, I think that one of the reasons why I like the music in Encanto so much is because it was written and composed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who is just absolutely brilliant. And a couple of fun facts. This is Disney's 60th animated feature film, and it is the first time Lin-Manuel Miranda uh, composed, wrote something, and didn't sing in it. He didn't have any part in this film at all. He's usually uh, somewhere singing something, uh, a pod, attached in some way, aside from you know him being the songwriter.
0: It was, it was like the uh, the the like fourth grade play. Uh, he was a tree and had no lines. Yes,
2: <laughs> yes. He was also a bird, but he wasn't credited. Um, no, uh, maybe not. I mean, maybe, but probably not. Uh, so we are introduced to Miribel. She is 15 years old. She's the protagonist of this film, who, unlike the rest of her family, does not have a special gift and is described as imperfect and weird and quirky, but also deeply emotional and incredibly empathetic. So if you've seen the film, you know that this family is so what happened was... In Colombia, uh, there was a civil war, civil war called the Thousands Ye- Thousand Days War. Um, it was fought in Colombia from the 17th of October, 1899 to the 21st of November, 1902. Uh, what happened was, at first, it was between the Liberal Party and the government led by the National Party. And later, after the Conservative Party had ousted the National Party between the Liberal Party, Liberals and the conservative government. Uh, So like most wars, it was uh, driven by the government. And Abuela, who is the matriarch of the family, and we are introduced to her as well, uh, and her husband, we just know him as Abuelo, uh, they were fleeing part of Colombia with a group of people and their young, very young triplet babies and trying to seek safety. And what is alluded to is that Abuelo ultimately sacrifices himself to save the rest of the group. Um, And thus this magical world of, through his sacrifice, the magical world of Encanto is, is is born is made the the trees take root and the ground just emerges and forms. Like all the mountains come I was, yeah and i was gonna say like, like mountains form and hills and everything kind of blocking them and sheltering them creating safety this little safe haven and um because of of this and you know a, a, a candle is involved and this candle is is infused with magic along with the magic that is uh created in this encanto this this city this dwelling um the family so abuela does not have any magic but her her I would say spawn there's another nicer word than spawn her children her offspring uh, are, are given gifts as like a, you know, your your father. your gra- The descendants, that's a good word. Um, Abuela's descendants are given gifts as like a thank you for the sacrifice of, of your, you know, because of the sacrifice of your abuelo, you are given gifts and you know, everyone is happy. So you know, Mirabel is the, we're, we're seeing the story mainly through the eyes of Mirabelle and uh, we are also introduced to Louisa who is Mirabel's 19 year old sister who carries all of the burdens and never complains she has superhuman strength but harbors anxiety anxiety about falling behind in her duties and letting her family down Isabella who is also Mirabelle's sister. Uh, she is 21 years old and she is considered perfect and a success. She can make flowers bloom everywhere but secretly struggles to keep up her glamorous disposition. Julieta is Mirabelle's mother uh, and she can heal people with her cooking. Augustine is Mirabelle's father, uh, and he's very accident prone, which is kind of funny that he and Julieta found each other because they really are each other's yin and yang.
0: And he se- seems to get the same injuries to the well, same I mean, parts well, of his body. He's, uh,
2: apparently, over uh, and over. he's allergic to bees, and he gets stung. Yeah, but it's like
0: each time, like it's his nose, it's his right ear, and it's both up, hands. It's
2: fine. But, but, and then, you know. Julieta makes him an arepa and he's happy. It's fine. Uh, And then we have Peppa. Peppa is Mirabel's aunt, so Julieta's sister. And she can control the weather with her emotions, but her strong emotions often create rain and storms. You have her husband, Felix, um, who really balances her out and is really just around, like, he just wants to have a good time. And, and so again, kind of like Julieta and Augustine, he is the yin to Peppa's yang. You know, they they really belong together, and he does a really good job of helping Peppa keep her emotions in check. And then you have Dolores, who is Mirabel's cousin, and Peppa and Felix's twenty-one-year-old daughter. Uh, she has the gift of super hearing. Camilo, who is Dolores's Fifteen-year-old brother, um, so Peppa's and Felix's son and Mirabelle's other cousin, um, has the gift of shape shifting, and he also doesn't quite know who he is yet, and that comes into play. And then you have little Antonio. He is five years old. He is Peppa's uh, and Felix's youngest son. We find out uh, what his gift is in the film. We are taken through the whole gift ceremony um, and thus in the process get flashbacks to Mirabel's gift ceremony and how that went awry so to speak Mm -hmm. Uh, and we find out that he has the ability to speak to animals and then last but not least we have Bruno aside from Abuela and we talked about her you know she is the matriarch she doesn't have any gifts but she is ultimately the overseer of, of, of everything she keeps casita the house the magical house in check she keeps everybody else in check you know she is she is the queen of the queendom so to speak uh and last but not least we have bruno and obviously you know we all know the whole like you don't talk about bruno he was ostracized for reasons and he has the ability to see into the future So, I have some theories about why each person was given their specific gift. Um, Louisa, we'll we'll just kind of go down the list. So, obviously, we know Mirabelle doesn't have a gift, or does she? I'll check you later on that. Uh, Louisa, so she is the middle child, and aside from... She doesn't seem like she has the typical middle child's stereotype trope that some of these other middle children characters have in these films. She is strong, both obviously physically, but I feel like she was given the gift of super strength because she really just mentally wanted to be strong for her family and wants to be there and feels like she needs to take care of everything. Like and ultimately that becomes her burden once she gets this gift. Isabella was, you know, she's the firstborn. She's the really pretty, beautiful one. And, oh, she's so perfect and feels the need, you know, felt the need to to keep up appearances as far as that goes. So she's given this gift to make flowers bloom wherever she goes. Um, and she usually makes these really beautiful pretty things grow um but she also has the ability to make still pretty but not so aesthetically pleasing not as beautiful potentially hurtful you know like a cactus has pricks that can hurt you she can make these carnivorous flowers bloom um She gets this power, this gift to help her realize her full potential that she's more than just perfect. Um, Julieta gets the gift of healing people with her cooking because maybe when she was younger, um, I don't know, maybe she was the firstborn of the triplets. We don't know. Uh, you know, we don't know the, the birth order, but you know, maybe she's the older one and she felt the need to take care of her siblings. Maybe she felt the need to, you know, maybe she was a nurse type and really just wanted to, to make everyone feel better and you know maybe she was the one that her siblings went to if they scraped their knee or if they needed anything if they hurt themselves in any way so that's my theory about her um peppa so she can control the weather with her emotions and she seems to be a very emotional person and it's kind of like um the, the the storms, the weather that she creates, uh, is definitely a metaphor for her mental health. And when she, uh, I also think she, maybe she had a temper, like maybe she had a temper, and she got this gift to realize that not everything is a burden. Like not everything, you don't need to fly off the handle about everything. You know, raining on your wedding day isn't necessarily a, a, a bad thing. You know, uh, so I feel like she was given that gift as a as a way for her to control her emotions and physically see that she's angry, and decide well. Maybe I don't need, I mean, granted, yes, there are some things you absolutely should get angry about, but, you know, to visually see and be like, well, you know, maybe, maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe I don't need to be angry about this one certain thing. You know, the fact that she calms herself down saying clear skies, clear skies. Um, I know some people who deal with anxiety, some people who deal with uh, depression or this other type of, of. Mental illness, so to speak, will sometimes have chants, like mantras that they say to themselves in order to kind of just help get them to a better place, you know, mentally, emotionally. Um, So Dolores has the ability to hear, like, super hearing, super far away. Uh, She can hear a pin drop from, like, two miles away. She thinks she hears uncle Bruno in the walls and uh spoiler alert she does
0: she definitely said she hears uh, rats in the wall
2: well and she said in the song like she you knows she's like it's like I can hear him mm-hmm. um and fun fact she does uh maybe she was a very curious kid and liked to spy on everybody
0: maybe she was just uh See, I, I, am with you. I think everybody's gifts have to do with, uh, like their physical gifts have to do with their mental makeup, like,
2: or just something to do with their, you know, personality in well, general. So, you know, maybe Dolores was a really curious kid. Maybe she liked to listen in on the adult conversations, like you said
0: about Louisa having the, you know, the constitution to um to uh you know carry all the mental burdens and the physical burdens of the of or the the burdens of the family and at the same time you know then given the strength to physically carry the burdens of the entire village um you know one of the things we see with antonio is he what's the last thing that he gets from Mirabel.
2: Oh, that's the thing. Like he gets so I'm I'm going to Let's just jump ahead. So Antonio, he is very much like Mirabel. He's very empathetic. He's very in tune to what's around him. He's terrified of his gift ceremony because the last gift ceremony that happened was mirabelle's and that was the first time that no one received a gift so you know he didn't want to let anyone down by not receiving a gift and you know mirabel really stepped up and was very sisterly more like yeah definitely more sisterly towards him than just a cousin relationship um was there for him and comforted him and it was his you know the the gift ceremony happens on your birthday and she gave him this stuffed tiger that she had made
0: was it a tiger is a jaguar
2: she gave him a stuffed animal well, a stuffed cat that she made him it was
0: a jaguar and what does he right no around? that's true
2: that's true uh, a jaguar does appear but you know thusly he was given the gift to talk to animals um and then just to kind of round out the family uh camilo the you know mirabelle's 15 year old cousin um, who is obviously slightly older than she is because, you know, Mirabelle was the last last gifts ceremony that they had, um, was given the gift of shape-shifting. And it's because he doesn't really know who he is as a person. Um, and also, maybe he mimicked people. You know, how sometimes children would be like, you know, I'm copying you, you know, rah, 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 you know, the things that kids do. Maybe he was like that maybe he copies other people because he doesn't know who he is as a person. So if he can't be himself, he'd much rather be you.
0: Yeah. Well, again, like you said, he's still trying to figure out who he is. I
2: mean, and granted, he's only 15. Yes.
0: Yeah, so. But,
2: you know, what I'm gathering from all of this is the fact that... Uh, you know you have Dolores and Isabella they are the same age Isabella is slightly older because it is mentioned that Dolores is kind of in Isabella's shadow you know Isabella is so perfect and then there's Dolores which I mean don't get me wrong like Dolores is stunning she's a very stunning young woman and she has you know a great gift as well um but she's not she's not Isabella um and then you have Camilo and Mirabel who are the same age, and then with Antonio being the the youngest. So um, you know, there's there's a very interesting family dynamic, and they all live together. They all live in Casita, this magical house where, you know, these multi-generations of of madrigals live. And It's really interesting the dynamic that the family has with Casita, because Casita is is, a character in and of itself. But more about Casita in a minute. So each magical member of the Madrigal family has a recurring symbol on their clothes that represent their gifts. Now, just a side note before we jump into that. um, I love the fact that the artists really fought for Luisa to be... Uh, the character that she was, so Disney wanted her to be, you know, just a stereotypical thin, lovely, like Isabella. kind of, yeah. And the artists really fought for her to be presented in the way that she was presented, as as strong and solid, and you know, uh, really just. Powerful overall. Like you look at her and you just say, wow, that is one strong, powerful woman. So,
0: not and, to have her built like, say, Wonder Woman.
2: Right, right. But to have her look, fi- you know, like She Hulk. Bi- be built like some of these female bodybuilders, mm-hmm. you know, these. Uh, not even, but like these, these you know power lifters. Yes, yes, you know these these women who compete in these competitions to show how strong they are, you know. uh,
0: Yeah, they may not necessarily have the the thin hourglass shape that everybody's looking for on their Disney princess. You know, someone who can lift a fucking building over their head shouldn't be built like you know, uh, Pocahontas, who was supposed to be like fifteen.
2: Right, here's the thing. Every body is perfect. Seriously, like if if your body is is working, if you're breathing, if you're happy, your body is perfect. Like don't feel like you need to fit into society's typical stereotypical mold of of what beauty is. Like fuck beauty standards. You're perfect the way you are. And that's what Luisa's characters is like in the beginning of her song, surface pressure. She says, I glow because I know what my worth is. And then she slowly delves into this, the, you know, gives you what she's really thinking, what she's feeling throughout this, this song, you know, she does put on this tough facade and it's really not a facade. She is tough, but she has to carry the, everything she Physically has to carry emotionally. right she has to carry the family burden she has to carry all of this stuff and it's expected of her because she appears in such a way and it appears you know that it doesn't bother her even though it does and she feels like she can't show any weakness because it's it's not allowed it's not becoming of her uh, and she
0: has that line if I'm not Big and strong, like what value do I have
2: yeah it's, it's that's, that's
0: not exactly it, but you know what I well, mean.
2: she she's, you know if i'm I'm worthless if I can't be of service,
0: yeah, like and if I'm not strong and lifting churches and wrangling donkeys, what am I what else can I do? I don't have any other skills or talents
2: well, but no, but it's not even that, it's not about skills and talents. It's like you know if I can't do this like because that is what people expect of her.
0: Yeah, which is, see, I took it a different way, meaning, like, this is all I have to offer. But it's like, that's not all you have to offer. Like, you have other aspects of who you are. Um, You are not defined by a single trait, which to the villagers and to Abuela, it seems, everyone is defined by one singular trait. Like, this is what your gift is. That's who you are. Right.
2: Right, right right no i i agree um but i interpreted the song in a different manner um you know she's saying that i'm i'm worthless if i can't be a service my worth is in what i can physically do you know what i have to not necessarily what she has to offer people but that's what people view her as you know it's almost like she's projecting in that moment you know if i can't lift these things if i can't be useful then what is my purpose what's the point
0: right and that that makes a lot of sense because that's what's been drilled into her head same with um the same way that you know it's like they almost tolerate mirabelle it's like, oh, you don't have a gift. That's so. Okay. That's okay. Oh, you're doing such a good job for someone who doesn't have a gift. Oh, what a great thing that you. You're so helpful, and you can. That's yeah. Uh, you certainly have glasses. Yeah. Like,
2: um. So before we get into a little bit of the, a little bit more of the family dynamic, um, their clothing. The different characters' clothing tells a lot about who they are. So, Julieta's apron has images of plants, and she actually has plants in the pockets um, representing her healing powers through her recipes. Peppa wears sun-shaped earrings, and her dress has many suns on it, symbolizing her weather-related powers. Bruno has hourglasses on his poncho, mirroring his abilities to see through the sands of time. Isabella's dress is covered in flowers, directly tying her plant powers or directly tying to her plant powers. Luisa's skirt has free weights on the bottom, an obvious allusion to her super strength. Dolores's clothes are covered with sound waves, a reflection of her super hearing. Camilo's poncho has chameleons on it, alluding to both his name, you know, Camilo, and a reflection of his shape-shifting ability, and Antonio's vest has animals sewn onto it. And Mirabelle is shown with a decorative bu- a pink butterfly sewed on her right shoulder, which is a symbol of the family. So there's this whole song, you know, uh, butterflies, mariposas uh, play a big part in the film um, almost subconsciously because they appear uh, in in certain scenes and they kind of become like a, a family symbol so to speak
0: and it's you know the uh, 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 a butterfly is the symbol on the candle
2: right and you know obviously we know that uh, I think it's a lot of symbolism there too you know a mm-hmm. caterpillar changes into a butterfly Um you know, this family, they're given gifts, they change from, you know, who they are to being this person with, you know, these great gifts, Uh, except for Mirabel. And I have some theories about Mirabel. So... Mirabel initially is not given a gift and obviously like you pointed out it's almost like a de- seen as a detriment to her like Oh, you didn't get a gift like oh you didn't get a gift but you're still doing great um but her not receiving a gift helps her be a little more aware of her surroundings she being an empath is really in touch with her family or so she thinks, but this whole process, she, you know, it's, it's ultimately Mirabel's journey that, that we see, but everyone else goes on a journey as well. You know, in the, the surface pressure song with Louisa, you know, Louisa for the first time really, uh, I don't want to say unravels, but she, she really talks to Mirabelle for what seems like the first time, letting Mirabelle see um, what she's afraid of and kind of showing weakness. Now, showing weakness isn't always a bad thing. Sometimes you're stronger by showing weakness. Showing, You know what? I don't like the word weakness. Vulnerability.
0: Vulnerability.
2: Uh, Luisa was... V- Vulnerable with Mirabel, and towards the end of that song, you know, Mirabelle said some really kind words to Louisa, and Louisa just picks Mirabel up and and hugs her, and and you know, it's, it's, it it's was almost cathartic for the both of them, you know, as in something that doesn't really happen often, you know, because Louisa is so consumed with doing the chores and helping out everybody else and being this pillar of strength for the family that you know she doesn't really take much time to look inward and get in touch with her feelings
0: yeah and i think that's well i think that's where uh, a lot of them you know have their issues
2: yeah you know um Obviously, Mirabelle has a strange relationship with Isabella because you know to to Mirabelle from the outside, you know Isabella is perfect and she's gorgeous and everybody loves her and you know she doesn't do anything wrong and you know come to find out through Isabella's song that she's sick of putting up this facade of being perfect that she Wants to experience more, and through that she realizes that she has the ability to create so much more than these beautiful pink and purple and red roses. That you know, yeah, roses these, and these perfect and flowers, flowers. You know, she is is capable of so much more. She can make and cacti. She lets her hair down like really like literally, literally and figuratively lets her hair down with mirabel and you know they they embrace they hug it out and i think for the first time you know both luisa and isabella especially after receiving their gifts felt seen you know, Isabella was going to get married to this guy who she didn't even really like, but he was like the most perfect guy in town, and it was going to be great for the family. And Abuela
0: was like, "Listen, you're going to have like five kids, and you know,
2: um, and 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 come to find when out, when she said
0: that, five flowers popped up on her hair. Yep. Um,
2: but what Mirabella is not Mirabella, Mirabel uh, is finding out is she thought that her family had it great being given these gifts and having these abilities to do these extraordinary things. But what she realizes is that it's a burden.
0: Yeah, and I just thought of who Abuela reminds me of, like with the way she tries to control everybody. Tywin Lannister. Mm. Abuela is, is... columbian tywin lannister because she's like this is what you're gonna do and it's for the family this is how it's gonna be like you're ruining our family and it's like i'm not i'm the one that's trying to bring um uh you know like i'm trying to fix things and help everybody like you don't understand you're like you're not listening and it's like nope it's my way. This is how things are going to be. Nothing's going to change my mind. I'm right. You're wrong. Look what you did. Even though everything is crumbling around them, she, she isn't paying attention to what her kids really are and refuses to think that they're not perfect.
2: So moving on to casita because this is a casita is a a main character in this as well uh the house interacts with everyone but mirabel and abuela alma are the only two characters to directly address casita Abuela uses casita to keep family order, whereas Mirabel's actions, interactions are, they're warmer. You know, she waves greetings and expresses appreciation. She offers assurances. She, you know, really has fun with the house, whereas, you know, uh, Abuela doesn't necessarily like that. She feels like the house should uh, be used in a more... Practical. Yeah, practical, helpful manner. Whereas. Mirabel sees that Casita has a personality, and Casita likes to have it's fun, alive. and she, well, exactly. And this goes to, you know, Mirabel being an empath. She can feel it, she's really in tune with, with Casita, and likes to have fun with Casita. And, you know, in the beginning, like, the, the whole opening song, you know, she uses Casita to kind of count her in, you know, to, to start singing and stuff, and... um.
0: And it's not only that. Just thinking about the uh, like what you what we were just talking about the when she first notices, like she's like, "Hey, I had this vision. Well, this is what's going on." And the first thing that uh, Abuela Lannister says is, "She's like, no, no, no. The magic is strong, and so are the drinks. Like, oh my, fifteen-year-old uh, granddaughter is just totally hammered. That's what her problem is."
2: But. Here's the thing like Mirabelle is so in tune with the house that she is the first one to realize that it's falling apart.
0: And she has a vision, she doesn't physically see it, like she has, or she does see it because she does cut her hand, but the house is able to heal itself back up. I don't know.
2: Well, we all know that Bruno is in the walls helping to. Well, no, it's not Bruno. I mean, it's Bruno, but it's not Bruno. It's one of his multiple personalities. It's one of his multiple personalities that he created because he's pretty much been in solitary confinement for a long time. Uh, He's a fun character. Mm -hmm. But Mirabel is uh, the first one to really notice that there's an issue. And come to find out... The reason why Bruno left was because he had this this vision of the future of Casita crumbling and Mirabelle is in front of it. So they just assumed that the house was going to crumble, that the family was in danger because of Mirabelle. So Bruno ostracized like leaves ostracizes himself uh removes himself from the family because he no longer wants to use his gift because he views it as a a curse because he tells people what they don't want to hear even though it's truth it's the future um and he couldn't make heads or tails of exactly what was going to happen
0: because he couldn't bring himself to see the whole thing
2: right so um Mirabel seeks out Bruno and that's a thing like Mirabel is really the thread. You know, you think it's Abuela as the thread that's holding the family together, but it's really Mirabel because she is the one trying to see everyone's perspective.
0: Right, because she's the one without the powers. She's the one who is able to look at them and see them for who they are. Like granted, she does feel sorry for herself. She does feel like an outcast. But part of that is because that's what her grandmother teaches her. Her grandmother is absolutely the matriarch, the one who runs everything, you know, not just in the house, but in the village, like, Oh, don't worry. Everything's fine. Like I'm going to arrange a marriage for you and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. She is controlling everything, every step of the way, not allowing this family to be who they are because she thinks this is what they, she needs to do in order to keep the magic strong.
2: So the underlying themes of this film, there is no big bad. There is no villain. There's nothing that they are physically trying to fight. Uh, They're trying to, well, Mirabelle is trying to figure out why Casita is crumbling, why it's falling apart, and she's trying to save the magic while trying to alert everyone else as to what's going on. And that's what brings her to to talk about Bruno and seek him out to try to figure out, you know, what exactly is what what's going on here. Um, there are heavy themes of generational trauma, family obligations and roles, and the pressure and expectations we put on ourselves and those around us so a lot of times the pressure that we put that that we feel we put on ourselves Mm -hmm. but we also sometimes get everyone is trying to do what they feel is best for the family everyone is trying to do what they feel um they're trying to fit into this role that ultimately abuela has put them in and abuela is just doing what she thinks what she thinks what she thinks is best for the family uh she is trying to keep up this perfect family facade because she feels that that is what's best for the encanto. She's, you know, everyone every, the everyone in the encanto looks at the Madrigal family um as a, as a as a source of not necessarily power, um but leadership.
0: Yeah, and what they try what they see is you know, they the the village starts to see things collapsing and and breaking down and it just happens to coincide both times with, you know, Louisa starts losing her strength. you know, to me it, it it coincided with she was losing her strength because she was started to question herself for the first time and actually spoke her fears aloud. Uh, and then uh, uh, Isabella started creating things that weren't perfect and pretty. And both times it coincided with having a conversation with Mirabelle. And so the grandmother is like, you're the problem. It's your fault. That's why.
2: And when the house starts crumbling, because the house does fall apart... Casita responds to Mirabelle's call for aid in saving it while protectively ejecting everyone else. Casita brings Mirabelle in because Mirabelle is trying to save the candle. She's trying to, she's trying to save the magic of the family because she knows how much that magic means to the family. She is trying to do something, you know, she she's almost willing to sacrifice herself for the the betterment of the family. Um, and in a way, uh, kind of sealing her fate. So Mirabel didn't give a gift, didn't receive a gift on, um, her ceremony, but she really does have one. And this is my theory. So my theory is that the house Casita, chose Mirabel as the eventual, the future keeper of the house. So currently that belongs to Abuela, that, that title is, a, you know, that, that's what Abuela does. She is the keeper of the house. She is the matriarch of the Madrigal family. She is the one who, you know, keeps everything running and going. I think that Casita saw something in Mirabel that nobody else saw. You know, the fact that she's so empathetic, the fact that she um, marches to the beat of her own drum, but yet has the ability to march with everyone else's drum as well. Uh, The fact that she wants more for everyone. The fact that she accepts her family for who they are. She loves her family. She's not trying to perfect them. She's willing to just accept them how they are at that time. If you're having a good day, great. If you're having a bad day, oh I'm sorry you're having a bad day, but you're still great. You know, like she is a lot looser, So to speak, than than abuela. She's not tightly
0: wound. Her
2: love for her family is what puts her on par with abuela. And there's the, the 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 house. You know, casita crumbles, and there's nothing left. And she feels like it is all her fault. And the town gets together, and they come back, and they build a new casita. And the family realizes what happened. You know, they realized, oh, you know, our our behavior, our actions towards Mirabelle were just terrible. You know, and she's a part of the family. She's an integral part of the family.
0: An integral madrigal.
2: Yes, an (laughs) integral madrigal.
0: Oh, that's that's the episode title.
2: Uh, And she has this moment with Abuela... Where she sees again, being the empath that she is, she sees abuela for who abuela is. She sees past this wall, this, you know the the armor that abuela wears on a daily basis in order to protect herself and her family because she, she
0: has that vision and sees she sees what everything,
2: she went yes, yeah. yes, and they have that moment. Where you know they 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 embrace and it's it's not just like a, oh, I'm hugging you like it's a it's an embrace where you know Mirabelle is like, "I see you, and abuela saw Mirabelle, you know, like it's like you know, I've been way too hard on you. I need to accept you for who you are. You are perfect the way you are. Uh, and when they get back to the rebuilt casita, they uh, extend the the doorknob. So there's a door without a doorknob. They give Mirabel the doorknob to give her the honors of of you know opening the door for the first time. And when she does that, the the doorknob has an M on it, which obviously you would think, oh, it's for it's for Madrigal, obviously. But in my theory, the M is for Mirabelle, because when Mirabelle puts the doorknob into the door and goes to turn it, that's when the house comes back to life. That is Mirabelle's gift. Mirabel is the future matriarch of the family. She is the future keeper of the house. She has a relationship an empathetic like one-on-one relationship with Casita that nobody else has.
0: And not only that, she's I think she's also the keeper of the magic itself because when she turns the the doorknob, she touches it for the first time everyone's doors come back well that's all what i say. like it, it, it's her
2: back. her magic her light that brings everything back to life you know she breathes life back into the house she breathes you know magic back into the house and thus giving everyone else back their gifts like she is a gift herself she doesn't need a gift because she is the gift and I think that is such a great story, you know, like... That's a
0: great callback to Peter Dinklage. I am the gift. (laughs) (laughs) They are Lannisters!
2: You know, but she went on this whole journey. She doesn't have a gift, you know, but she was happy with herself, but was she really happy with herself? And her family seemed so perfect, but they weren't perfect because they were, they were all suffering in their own ways, trying to live up to these expectations that they felt that they had put on them because of Abuela and Abuela was just trying to keep up appearances, you know, for, for the town. And when they realized that all they needed to do was just be themselves Yeah. Because when they were themselves, they were happier. And the magic came back. And the town pulled together to help them. And, you know, the best leaders are happy leaders. You know, you don't need to be perfect to be a leader. You don't need to be perfect to be a person. You know, just be happy.
0: Right. You know, and people are happiest when they know their place and they know that people around them appreciate them for more than just what can you do for me it's more i appreciate what you do but let me help you
2: right so you know they they thought that the town only liked them appreciated them because they could do stuff for them that they personally couldn't but come to find out it's like oh well we don't care that you I mean the gifts are great but like we don't care if you have gifts or not we like
0: you for you Right you're part of you're part of the village you I know, know you're off by yourselves in your own home but you're part of who we are like this place everything that is that we have our homes it's because of the sacrifices that you guys have made
2: and not only that, it's, you know, you've done so much for us. Let us do something for you. Precisely. It's not solely up to you to have to take on the burden of everything. You know, and when it comes to rebuilding the house, I mean, I'm sure that they all could have, have, have done it themselves eventually. But it happened so much quicker when they had the help of of the town, you know, behind them. So I think it's... a. Uh, I think it's a really great story, especially for younger generations to see because, you know, a lot of us feel that generational trauma and that familial pressure, um, surface pressure, so to speak, uh, you know, there are certain parts of this story that just hit a little too close to home and I saw myself in a couple of these characters, uh, what they were going through, what they were you know, experiencing, the emotions that they felt. And I think it's so important for kids to see this because hopefully it starts a conversation. And ultimately, you know, the fact that you can break a generational curse. you know, just because your parents were one way, you don't have to be that way. You know, because people expect this from you, you can still go off on your own and find your own happiness doing something that you want to. You know, finding your own joy.
0: Right. Exactly. So I think that's a pretty good spot to wrap up. Uh, If you've seen this and you want to chime in, let us know. We're always listening to uh, what you guys say to us. So, you know, feel free to drop some... uh, some of your feelings into the into the Facebook group. And uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll uh, wrap things up. So we'll be right back. Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast. It's the greatest show in history. From the Dorking Network. Hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
1: for grown-ups. get
0: one and we are back uh, i hope you enjoyed that that was uh the family madrigal uh the song that we were talking about earlier um so i hope you enjoyed that uh the songs and the discussions and the theories that we uh posited because uh, i know this isn't really a theory show but now and then we uh, we come up with some interesting things.
2: When it involves characters, it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean that's not entirely true. I theorize about shit all the time, but like that's not our main thing. Uh, I just want to throw that out there because uh, we recorded this over a series of several days, and after we recorded the main portion, uh, there was a uh, a video by Film Theory that came out that I was waiting to watch until after we had our discussion. And a lot of the stuff that we talked about, he talked about in his video.
2: Because we're smart.
0: Um, I mean, there were a few things that he he mentioned that we didn't because, you know, we don't watch the movies frame by frame because we're not... Because we have jobs. <laughs> and we don't have that time to do uh, that type of stuff. He does. That's great. Uh, we don't. So we can't. But... Uh, yeah, so we, we, we're going to wrap this up fairly quickly. Um, we do have battle results from last week.
2: We do have battle results from last week. Well,
0: last couple weeks.
2: So, uh, well, you know, from the from the conclusion of our Karate Kid Cobra Kai, Karate Cobra Kai Kid uh, yes. <laughs> trilogy of episodes that we just put out. Uh, so last week we threw down the Sensei Showdown. Which Karate Kid or adult has what it takes to kick the competition and be the last Karate Master standing? The sandbox was the Hong Kong Kumite Tournament, and the special guest referee was Mr. Pat E. Johnson. And you could choose from Daniel LaRusso, Johnny Lawrence, John Kreese, or Terry Silver and both Facebook and the Twitters are in agreement you all voted for well not you all but most of you voted for Johnny Lawrence
0: Yeah um I I voted for Johnny um I think it's about time he gets some credit and he gets the wins that he deserves so I went I went Johnny Lawrence myself who'd you go with
2: I, uh, I, went with, I went with Johnny Lawrence as well.
0: Makes sense. Johnny Karate. Well,
2: because I think his, he's growing as a person, and I think that's going to be reflected in his karate style.
0: He once was a karate kid, and now he's, he's a, a karate, karate man. man. And Karate Man brews on the inside. <laughs> uh, so- before we wrap up, you have a uh, new wine to talk about?
2: I do have a new wine to know talk about. I why I went up an
0: octave when yeah, I said that. Yeah, I'm
2: like, why Why are you questioning me? You have a new wine to talk
0: about? You have about? a new wine to
2: talk about? You want to talk about wine? You never talk that about wine. That wasn't a question, I always but I just talk raised my voice wine. at the end.
0: I just went up a little higher. Like, those weren't questions. Those were statements. That's getting annoying. Even yep. I'm getting annoyed. <laughs> <It's just laughs> That's like, how you know it's really dumb. All right, get into your, your wine segment.
2: So I was recently gifted a Spanish red. And now, kind of an aside, it's obviously, a ro- we, uh, yes, uh, a, a Spanish roja, if you will. Uh, I love... Big, bold reds from Napa Valley. Uh, California wines in general are pretty great for the most part. And I love, there's always going to be a space in my heart for Italian reds. Just big, bold, dry, flavorful Italian reds. But I have really been warming up to Spanish reds over the past couple of years. Um, Had some really great, you know, Malbecs and uh, Tempranillos and... uh, like a, a, a Grenache and stuff, but this is something a little different. So what I did, because it was an imported wine, if you remember a few weeks ago, I talked about that wine app, Vivino. Uh, I put it to good use. I took a picture of the label and it immediately brought up all of the information I could ever want about this wine, including reviews, like like actual people reviews, not just like, I'm a sommelier, and I know everything about wine, and I'm going to talk about wine in terms that you don't understand. Now, actual people who purchase this at the store to consume, you know, with their dinner, or, or you know, just in general, so... Um, This wine specifically is called Mas Donis Old Vines. It's a 2018 red wine from Monsant, Spain. So, that is um, the Barcelona region of Spain. And this, uh, the vintage was really nice, actually. So, it is made with uh, Shiraz, Syrah, and Grenache grapes. And the winemaker's notes say now, I'm assuming this was the. I'm gonna read this verbatim. Um, some of the the wording is a little off because I'm assuming this was translated to English. So it's a little it's a little wonky, but bear with me. Uh, ruby with violet shades. This is a really gorgeous wine, like really pretty when you pour it. Oh, it's divine. Uh, very nice, a glycerin mouth feeling and texture, wild red and blackberry flavors, cherries, spices and herbs. Well-integrated, elegant, smooth, vanilla, oaky, toasty notes. Ripe mouthful and complex on the palate. Loads of sweet, vibrant fruit, medium to full-bodied, with soft and velvet tannins and a nicely refreshing finish. Um, this was not what I was expecting. So it kind of has everything that you love about red wines in one bottle. It was dry, dry. It was bold, but wow, was it really jammy. And it's funny because the person who gifted this to me, he said, I, I, I tried this and I thought of you and I think you'll really like it. He's like, you know, dry. He's like, oh, it's dry and it's jammy. And I started giggling. He's like, oh, what? Because I said jammy. And I said, no, you don't understand. That is my favorite favorite descriptive word when talking about wines. I love saying jammy, uh, and it is. It is so very fruit-forward on the front of the palate, very dry and smooth with a vanilla oaky finish on the back of the palate, a little bit of spice, um, and, the, and the, the, the fruit profile. It's more black fruit, so more like blackberry driven um, you get an intense blackberry flavor and like a black cherry flavor as well whereas some of the um, like redder fruits uh, and, and obviously grape you know you definitely get like a a bit of a a punch of that grapeness to it but it's really good uh i recommend it it's actually fairly inexpensive uh, when it comes to the price point so vivino is telling me that i can get it for 16.99 a bottle like that's crazy so it's probably you know well, it's you could very prob- reasonable right like you could probably find it locally sometimes places will kind of vary a couple of dollars you might be able to find it for a little bit less you may find it for a little bit more but i mean for me a great bottle of wine under a twenty dollar price point is perfection. Yeah, like that's good. I I I can't get enough. So yeah, it's a 2018 Macedonis Old Vines and the label is gorgeous too. It's like this purple with all these like vines and stuff on it. It's very pretty. It's very visually appealing. So um yeah definitely ch- if you're if you're interested check it out. Also if you're interested in kind of following me on my wine journey. Um, you know, obviously, I drink more than what I talk about on the show. And sometimes I, I, you know, revisit old friends as far as wine's concerned and stuff. And sometimes I consume things aside from wine. I have created a new page on Instagram. You can follow me at Von Nightmare Vineyards, V O N N I T E M A R E. Vineyards smell like vineyards. Don't make me smell right now, um, but yeah, it's gonna kind of like be my uh, my my wine and cocktail diary. I'm in the process of getting some stuff together and uh, another place for some fantastic wine recommendations, some stuff that I've featured in my von Mite nightmare vineyards segments, and some stuff that uh, you probably haven't heard of. So, I think it's worth checking out. Follow me on Instagram.
0: So, I have a, uh, a uh, science fact based on some of the work that I've been doing on uh, set lately. So, the job that I have is health and safety uh, uh, production assistant. So, I check people in, making sure that they're not exhibiting any symptoms, giving them masks, and checking their temperature. Now, it has been rather. Is it rectally? Uh, not always.
2: Excuse me, sir. I'm gonna need you to bend over.
0: Sorry, this isn't registering.
2: Doctor Bendova.
0: Think warm thoughts. So wait,
2: let me let me warm up the thermometer for you.
0: Dunk it in my coffee.
2: <laughs> swirl it.
0: Swirl. Hold on, I'm just gonna swizzle my coffee. This will help. Uh, but no, it, it's been rather cold out uh, up here in Massachusetts. We've had we just had a nice big snowstorm with, you know, like I don't know, two feet. I
2: wouldn't call it nice. It was definitely big.
0: It dumped. About it, two There feet was of nothing snow us. nice about
2: it. If I go outside, the snowdrifts are so tall you can't find me.
0: Yeah, but I lose you behind like you know a pile of laundry.
2: <laughs> Hi. <laughs> um,
0: no low. Um, so. Taking people's temperatures outside, you know, we have a lot of different uh, really cool digital thermometers, but the cold has affected them in various ways. So several people have gotten re- readings like, say, 92, 93, uh, and they're like, well, you know, it's cold out today. Oh, I was, you know, I, I was you know it's very cold like 4 or 5 degrees like when we when we start the day the other day it was negative 2 so it's been cold however if your temperature is reading 92 93 standard temperature 98.6 degrees fahrenheit for a, a human person um, you know you can like what about I'm,
2: a non-human person A non-human
0: person it depends uh, i'm generally around 96 and a half I'm on the lower side. But temperature extremes, like if you have a fever of 101, like you feel terrible. It's only three degrees. If you have a temperature of 95, you are hypothermic. You should see a doctor. If you have a temperature of 92, you've probably been uh, at the bottom of a frozen lake. Like that's generally the temperature of people who have fallen through ice and have been submerged for quite some time. Um, so I just thought it was interesting because people are, you know, not aware of this fact. Like, there's a lot of folks that were just like, oh, well, you know, it's cold out. It's like, right. But if your temperature, like, you know, we will we'll generally take it on the wrist because it's a little more accurate because everybody's wearing longer sleeves. Um, it's like, oh, well, yeah, you know, 93. Yeah, it's it's chilly out today. It's like, no, you're, you're dead. Like... The the it all all I can think of is from uh uh Return of the Living Dead where they're like oh your body temperature is seventy degrees that's room temperature well, what does that mean well technically you're dead <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean I'm not dead it's like yeah I know you're conscious that's why we're kind of confused as to what's going on but yeah ninety two you you I don't know necessarily so wait so do death. you
2: have an explanation as to why they're registering so low
0: um. So I the think thermometer's it's, I, the thermometer is not working. These thermometers are very um, are very sensitive. Like I would try to keep mine in my inner pocket in my jacket so it mm-hmm. would be warm and I would stand in front of we have a portable heater. Uh, and so I the first time I did that I was like, "All right, let me check your temperature." 162. That also uh, that's fine if you are a pork loin. But uh, <laughs> Not so good if you are a human person. So, um, yeah. So be careful about that. So we have some good stuff coming up. Uh, We have a couple things planned, a couple things that potentially might happen, but we've got some backup plans uh, in case.
2: Trying to work on some interviews and whatnot. Some special guests, so stay tuned.
0: Because there's, you know, a lot of our friends have uh, big projects that are in the works and... uh, stuff that you can watch now, stuff that you uh, can contribute to, stuff that you can uh, hopefully support in the future. So there's a lot of stuff going on, and we're trying to cover all of our bases, you know, cross our H's and dot our lowercase J's. Exactly. Um, So there's a lot of different things we have uh, options for for next week. But, uh, you know, whatever we do, we're going to give it at least 100%. Go above and beyond to infinity and beyond. That's not give a teaser. Me, we're not doing we're not give doing it the old story.
2: college try. Um,
0: but yeah, we're going to we're going to uh, have as always like we have a bunch of stuff planned, but it's just I the can order.
2: guarantee it'll be entertaining. Oh yeah, it's God, just bless. the order in
0: which we we send it out. But as always, we are taking suggestions. If you have a thought on a character that you'd like us to cover uh, maybe something that just came out. You know, maybe you want us to talk about uh, Spider Man. Maybe you want us to talk about, you know, something else that we haven't covered. You know, uh, Batman. There's a new Batman movie coming out in a uh, about a month. So let us know. Uh, throwdownthursdaypodcast Thursday podcast at gmail.com. Shoot us a text uh, or, or a what, what's the, a twit? That's what they a call twit. them. Uh, <laughs> A uh, tweet. TD Thursday pod on uh, Twitter. Uh, check us out Follow on the Facebook. Us on
1: tweeters. On the
0: send us a twit. <laughs> um, but other than that, I think we're going to wrap things up because uh, it's tired. Uh, it's late, and I'm tired. <laughs> it's,
2: it's tired o'clock. <laughs> it's tired o'clock. Yeah. So until next week, kids. We, we will see you next, next Thursday.
0: Thursday.